0: you bodacious podcasts to another week of A Little Greener, a podcast all about nature, conservation, and sustainability. Once again, my name is Sarah. I am one of your hosts for this weekly podcast, and I am joined by the fantastic, talented, amazing Casey. Casey, we just talked like five minutes ago. Are you still doing all right? (laughs)
1: Hi. Hey everybody. Uh, yeah, you are introducing me with so many compliments. these Last couple episodes. All
0: well-deserved. Uh-huh.
1: Uh-huh. Um, well, I'm very lucky to be here with Sarah today and, uh, for an extended period of time, cause we're doing a special two-part episode yes. on food waste. So welcome back. <laughs> if you are listening to this episode and you have not listened to the previous episode, go back, go listen to that one, because this is going to make more sense. And we are going to talk about food waste, but we're going to be talking uh, about the kind of second half of the supply mm-hmm. chain, which is a little bit more from the consumer end. Last week, we talked about why food waste is important and food loss and waste that happens higher up um, in the production cycle of food. So today we're going to get on the consumer end, but I recommend you going back and checking out that episode. Yeah. And Sarah, I have a question for you how, how do you go about going to the grocery store? Are you like a planner? Are you an impulse
0: buyer? What's your, I try to be, well, I don't try to be, I'm kind of neither. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not a super planner. I'm definitely not somebody who like plans out my meals. People who do that, you are incredible to me. I wish that I had the dedication and the foresight and all all of that to to do it. It's just not something that, uh, it's just not something I do, but I nor do I try to go and and not have any plan at all. So I do, I kind of have a working list that I keep on my phone that just basically has a list of all of the things that I typically buy Uh, and I'll kind of just try to strike through the ones that I don't currently need. I don't necessarily always stick to exactly what's on the list, but it's a good guide for me. And I I try to go to the store only every two weeks. I do live by myself, so I'm just buying for me. I I try to go every two weeks. I don't quite always make it that far, um, especially now that I'm trying to eat healthier, but (laughs) but that's kind of how I do it. I just sort of have a, a loose list, a loose running list that I keep to kind of keep me on track, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. And actually I was wondering, because we've talked about before, you get some of your meals through a food delivery service, I right? I
0: did. I actually you don't anymore. Yeah, yeah. I don't do it anymore. Yeah. Did that you... I think will play into our discussion a little bit today. Um, so yeah, I, I did do that and, and that was helpful in a lot of ways, but I'm back to just buying, buying all buying, my own groceries, buying in. food. Yep.
1: I come with a vague plan. Like normally I ask Andrew, what do you want to eat for dinner this week or next week? Um, and we'll have like a base ingredients in our house. So like, if nothing else, I can make fried rice this week, Mm -hmm. or if nothing else, I can make spaghetti, but I definitely am guilty of buying off the list and not having like a very strict list. So, uh, our grocery store habits uh, are just one of the ways as consumers that we contribute to food loss. So today we're going to talk a little bit about how we buy food, how we take care of food where, when to get rid of food and then what to do with when you're done. And I also realized that I completely didn't do the restaurant portion of this. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about that at the end as well. So overvying is a chronic issue at our grocery store. Um, sometimes it's uh, influenced by impulse buys and sales, but these things can be combated by planning ahead. So our first tip for this episode is when you go to the grocery store, it's the oldest trick in the book. You make a list. Yeah. So we talked about this a little bit on the like sustainable wardrobe episode where I talked about like making a list of items that you actually need in your Mm -hmm. wardrobe and then buying them when you need to go shopping rather than just kind of being like, Oh, this is cute. Um, Mm -hmm. And really that's what we go to the grocery store and do we go, Oh,
0: this is cute. (laughs) I'm going to eat that.
1: Sorry, Sarah, did you say something?
0: No, I was just going to say, yeah, I, to- I totally agree. And that I think even though I don't make a strict plan, that's where having that list really does still help me. And you know how they say you're not supposed to go grocery shopping when you're hungry Yes. too. Like I found that to be a real true thing. Like I'm definitely more likely to impulse buy um, if I'm hungry. So again, even if you're, if you are somebody like, and maybe this is more common with people who, who do live alone or aren't, you know, trying to feed kids or a whole bunch of people. But so even if you're, you're not doing that and you have the freedom, maybe not to plan everything out exactly. I do really think that having some sort of list will help keep you on track. Like I said, for me, it's more having the list to know what I already have in my house.
1: Yeah. And there's actually some great apps that you can use for that too. Um, that's something I didn't even think of ahead of time, but like, there are so many lists, the grocery store I would go to in the Midwest, the app for the grocery store had its own list, like Mm -hmm. element built into it, but there's plenty of like things. If you live with someone else and you're like, oh, we need olive oil. There are apps that where you can share a joint grocery list. So when I lived with my cousin in college, her, her husband and I all were on this and she was like, just put whatever you want on there. And that would like help us keep track of the household food. Um, Make sure that we're communicating for things. So there are a lot of options out there, whether you live by yourself or you live with lots of people. If you're someone who just wants to write things down on the back of like a a tablet that magnets Mm -hmm. to the fridge, like I feel like my mom always did or the back of an envelope all the way up to being high tech. Um, you want to avoid sales that try and get you to buy more than you normally would yeah. buy one get one sales lead to food waste because we're incentivized by the deal. And I'll tell you another way that this, this happens to me. I am someone who learned early on that you can figure out how much you're paying per ounce, the unit of, price. Yeah. The unit price. And I'm obsessed with the unit me price. Too. i Yeah. <laughs> um. So if you're not familiar with the unit price, yeah. get familiar with the yes. unit price first of all, because it will tell you when you're trying to decide between like a 40 ounce thing of something and a mm-hmm. 32 ounce, and you're not sure if the price difference like that will actually tell you if you're saving money on something. But it gets me because you almost always save money when you buy in bulk. Yes. Milk. <laughs> this is. <laughs> This is what happens with me and milk. Um, because I grew up having a family that would get a gallon of milk every time Mm -hmm. we went to the grocery store. And then it was just Andrew and I, and I was still buying a gallon of milk partially because I was looking at that unit price. That's sweet, sweet unit price. (laughs) It felt, (laughs) it felt like I was saving money. But really, I was still throwing away a bunch of milk because we don't drink enough milk to be able to to support that habit. Now, if you're Andrew's family, we went up to see his grandparents and they were drinking milk forever a meal. Are you a I, milk drinker? I'm a
0: milk drinker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I do. I get a full gallon for myself.
1: I honestly. Okay. This is again, hi, Josh, if you're listening, you're probably not our (laughs) former manager. When I broke my finger, he was like, all the lesson I'm giving you is you need to drink more milk. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And, uh, I mean, he's not wrong. I have not drank enough milk. Probably I do eat enough cheese, but probably don't (laughs) drink enough milk, but I don't like between the two of us typically on a week, unless like we're baking something or something like that, where there's an anomaly, we do not need a full gallon of milk for the two of us. Mm -hmm. So If it is an item that is very perishable like milk or like, I don't know, apples or whatever you're getting cheese, don't get distracted by the unit price. Mm -hmm. If you're going to overbuy because you're not actually saving money, you're paying for more food that you will then throw away. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad I'm not the only one.
0: (laughs) Good point. No, I I love a good unit price, but yeah, you, you, that's a really good point to think about the items that you're using it on and make sure. And yeah, the buy one, I mean, I remember being in the grocery store and buying an item that was on sale for buy one, get one free. And I wasn't getting the free one because I knew I wouldn't eat it. And the grocery store clerk, like gave me, she just kept, are you sure it's on sale? Why don't you want to go? And I'm like, I won't use it. I don't need it. Like it doesn't matter to me. That's the price is not why I I wouldn't buy a second one. I just don't need it. Uh, but yeah, that's a good point with the unit price. Well, that's, that's impressive too.
1: Cause like, yeah, my instinct is always like got to get my deals when my deals are coming. So,
0: and if you're going to use it, like if I'm buying a frozen dinner, you know, that's buy one, get one free, then sure. But if it's a like you're saying a perishable item, right? Keep your eye on the prize. Don't get distracted. Don't get distracted. (laughs) Um,
1: yeah. Think about the ways that you're going to use it. I will sometimes buy, like, I also will try and go to the grocery store only once every two weeks. I have found that we can probably average more like one and a half because we have been trying to eat more healthily. That eating healthier means eating less processed foods guys. And honestly, less processed foods generally are better for the environment because a lot of times you need way more inputs for processed foods. Like, you know, eating your corn versus the amount of corn syrup and something like they're still taking land, even if it doesn't feel like it. Um, so yeah, that, that produce is better for you, but you don't want to overbuy too quickly. And then, and like this is also speaking from a place of privilege because there's plenty of people who do not have access to right. fresh produce wherever they're at. So it's just being thoughtful, making a list when, when you can and, and making sure that you're aware of what's going on. Sarah, do you ever get that thing where you like, I don't know, this happens to me. I, I buy <laughs> onions and then we use like a quarter of the onion and I put it in a container and I put it in the fridge and then it migrates to
0: the back of the fridge yep. and then I buy a new onion. <laughs> Too much. It happens <laughs> to me too often, for sure. It actually, yeah. yeah. It just happened the other day where I I found a tomato that I had forgotten about that I had eaten part of, and it got buried.
1: Yeah, it's and it gets gross, and then I'm mm-hmm. afraid to, and then you put yep. it off and you procrastinate. Did you know that the size of uh, the average refrigerator has increased thirty percent in the last fifty years? <laughs> I did not know that. It has. And Fun so that's
0: also contributed. A yeah.
1: Yeah. To food waste, because that's something that you're we going have, across.
0: Yeah. We have more room to just stick stuff in there and forget about it. Yeah.
1: Yep. Uh, this is something that's interesting that I came across when I, cause you, you talked about earlier, like when we think of food waste, we mostly think of produce. We don't really mm-hmm. think of meat. Um, when I put into Google food waste and meat, The first article that actually came up was talking about the production of meat as an opportunity cost that causes food waste. So we've talked about in the past, meat has an outsized footprint on our planet, correct?
0: Yeah. Beef in
1: particular. Beef in particular. So some researchers suggest that meat production is a form of food waste by way of opportunity cost. And that is saying that the amount of resources that we put into producing a pound of meat could instead be put into producing other food and you would get way more food out of it. Okay. Uh, I see. And so I guess in this scenario, it's more like food loss because it's Uh higher up on the food chain than it is here. And we can't take it for a one-to-one ratio. We can't say that like the food that the cow ate, we could have eaten instead, or the land that the cow lived on could have been used for any variety of food. Like there are certain pasture lands that are good for pasture land and they're not good for food production otherwise. And there are certain crops that we use byproducts to feed our livestock. But if we're talking about a footprint, if food waste is important to you, it is worth considering that- the footprint that meat has on our planet, specifically beef, especially might also be important to you. And reducing meat consumption is one of the ways that we can also decrease our impact on our environment. Sarah, you look very thoughtful. I want to hear your thoughts.
0: No, I'm just trying, honestly, I'm just trying to wrap my brain around it a little bit. So I don't have any good thoughts. I don't know how I feel about that sort of about defining it that way at sure. pr- meat production as food loss. I feel like I would have to read more about it, but for me, it doesn't matter because we, in our beef episode, you know, we talked about all of the other things. So I think that reducing your meat consumption is good. Generally, I'm just, I have to wrap my brain around thinking about it in that light as food, food loss.
1: Yeah. If, if you're not familiar with economics too, like opportunity cost is basically every time you make a decision, you are also making a decision not to do to something. Lose something
0: else. Yeah. Right.
1: So it's, it's like, okay, well I could choose to work an extra hour of work and I'm choosing to get money, but I'm right. also choosing not to rest my body, rest. do my household or, chores. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so in this case it's, I am choosing to use this land to produce mm-hmm. meat or food for meat. Or space for meat.
0: And and we're just saying that you, have by choosing to do that, you've lost the value of all of these other things, which I understand that. I just, yeah, I, it's, you're still getting something from it. You're still getting yes, something, yes. But, yeah. So but is that thing
1: worth the value of the things that you're losing right. out on is, is the kind of pr- yeah. proposal there, which I found kind of fascinating and mm-hmm. felt like it was worth talking yeah, about. Yeah, it's
0: interesting. I obviously never thought about it that way before. Yes. So...
1: Sarah, when you prepare your food yourself, how do you figure out how much you're supposed to make?
0: When I prepare my food myself. Uh I'm not, guys, I'm not much of a, a cook. So you
1: don't want to hear what Sarah eats this, for dinner.
0: <laughs> no, I'm trying to get better. And this 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 was a thing that the food delivery service helped with tremendously in terms of that, like the portions that they sent and all of that were really fantastic. And so I think it, it helped from that standpoint, there was waste in a lot of other areas with that food delivery service. But I think from this standpoint of like portion and serving size, I do think it really helped. I mean, for me, I'm just trying to think about the, the things that I, make, or I just, I make the same few things. So at this point I just know what I'm going to eat. <laughs> it doesn't really have so much to do with like what the serving size says on the box or anything like that. Sure. I just kind of know. So that's probably not a very helpful answer in terms of our discussion. Um, I'm not a huge, I don't have a huge appetite. Like I go to a restaurant and I'm almost never um, going to finish my meal. So I think like my standard portion sizes are probably smaller than what most people would consider a filling meal? uh, You know, what meant considered a filling
1: meal is actually extremely subjective and has changed Mm -hmm. over time. So the average American plate size has increased 36%. And that's actually about how much serving sizes in recipe books have increased as well. So if you look at like like those anthology cookbooks yeah that have been around for years and years and come up with new additions you will see they ask you to make more food for the same amount of people
0: interesting that's very see just, guys just don't use cookbooks <laughs> I mean I, I like really don't cookbooks. I don't uh you know like that's just that's just me though not being one who particularly enjoys cooking but that's I... very interesting I would have assumed that yeah like restaurant portion sizes have increased I wouldn't have thought about cookbooks
1: they have, um, yeah. Cookbooks have even increased. I mean, as an adult, I will say I, I was never a good leftovers eater when I was a mm-hmm. kid. There are certain things I loved leftovers of as a kid, but as an adult, I get to choose what I make myself and I can choose what I have leftovers of, which has helped tremendously for mm-hmm. making sure that I'm incentivized to eat. I'm sure one day if I have kids that like, I will come across a similar issue where they're like, no, I'm not gonna eat yeah. that leftover. <laughs> like I do not like leftover pasta basically, like if it's out oh. in the fridge. Like it just doesn't, it
0: doesn't... I will, I will eat You'll it. You'll eat it. I'll eat your leftover pasta. Yes. I'm really good just at like... eating leftovers.
1: <laughs> I I was just really into it. But basically yeah make decisions. If you're gonna make I like to make bulk meals. I like to be like hey I made a bunch of fried rice or I made a bunch of lasagna. We've got lunch for tomorrow.
0: Mm-hmm. I like
1: doing that. Um, so just make sure that you're selecting things that you know, that you're going to eat. Yeah. And that can be true when you're throwing a party too. Like, if you know, you're going to have way more people than you thought you would choose something that you are going to eat. Cause I have yep. definitely also been guilty of like sending left or, or being sent home with leftovers from like my mom's house. And my mom's an amazing cook, but sometimes I just am not great at eating the leftovers that someone else has given me, mm-hmm. and so if you are the host, like try and make sure it's at least something that you would be willing to eat leftovers of. So if you get stuck with it, you know yep what you're going for. One of another reason that pizza is a great food; it's excellent leftovers. <laughs> um, and you briefly talked about restaurants here. I unfortunately did not think enough in advance, but I did do a little bit of research from the NRDC. Um, restaurants are a huge part of our food waste problem. I have never worked in food service, but in the process of preparing food, lots of things are uh, just thrown out or through either carelessness or literally how just the system works. And so food waste can be reduced within the production cycle. Um, One study showed, if you're like a restaurant person out there, one study showed that for every dollar invested in food waste reduction, half of restaurants in the study saw a return of $6 or more. Oh, wow. Yeah, so like, I mean, and that's one of those slippery statistics. Half of the restaurants right. found that, but that's like that's a pretty good odds, though. Yeah, yeah, one dollar for six dollars. Yeah. Okay, I'll take that. Um, so it might be doing things like adjusting your serving size. I am definitely someone who has started becoming more and more my mother and my aunt, where I ask waiters questions more often than what I used to. And and one of the questions I do ask is like, how big is this thing you're about to serve me? Mm -hmm. Especially if they have the half portion versus Mm -hmm. the full portion. I've been burned before. I have (laughs) been hungry after eating a half portion, but I've also been way too full. So, (laughs) So asking, you know, those clarifying questions, if you like, do you think you need the big one or do you think the small ones would suffice and if you got the big one are you taking stuff home or are you leaving it all on the plate there Mm -hmm. like if you're being a little adventurous for the day maybe we go with the small portion so that way we don't end up with leftovers we're not going to eat and bonus points if you bring your own box from home so it's not styrofoam and that'll also reduce plastic waste which
0: we really like too um what was that (laughs) Two for two for one, reduce yes. your food waste, reduce your plastic waste.
1: um if you are uh, one of the biggest actually issues mm-hmm. not not issue, like particular forms of restaurant production that is wasteful are all you can eat buffets.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: because anything that has sat out, you cannot give away, you can't do anything with it. Like legally you have to get rid of it when it's at the end of the night. And so if you're going to uh, all you can eat buffet at 9 PM and you're like, this better be fully stocked. Like that's kind of part of the problem because they're trying to put out enough food to feed you. Um, I, in college, we had an amazing cafeteria, uh, and in our sustainability department, one of the things we tried to do was to take away the trays because studies have found if you have a tray that you are going to load it with way more food Mm -hmm. than you're actually going to eat. And it increased food waste by like, like a stupid amount. It was like 30% or something like that. Um, and we got so much pushback from the student body. Actually, these days they have taken away the trays and will off. Like, if you ask for them, you can get them, but that's another thing to consider if you're going to a buffet, don't get the tray, just get a plate. You can always go back. If you're still hungry, this is not actually limiting the amount of food. It's just your eyes are bigger than your stomach.
0: You know, I hope this isn't a made up story that I'm about to share. This is just a memory that I have of, I think back when I was in college, there's a a pizza place that was like a a buffet sort of pizza place, you know, where they just had several kinds of pizza out and you could go, you know, up and get whatever you want. But I was there with some friends at the end of the night and we were kind of closing the, the pizza place down. It, 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 lovely place. They, they gave us, we were the last ones there and they gave us everything <laughs> that was left like on the buffet. And I, it was so nice. Uh, but you know, based on what you just said, they probably like, we're going to have to throw it out if we didn't take it. And so they just, you know, they, they offered it all to us. And I just remember, I remember, you know, how nice it was at the time. Um, but also, yeah, good for them for not yeah, tossing all of their food at the end of the night. I hope that's a true story. That's, that's my memory of it anyway.
1: I betcha it is. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I like that story. That's great. I mean, like if you're in the restaurant industry and you see opportunities for it, I yeah. know your, your job is so hard. Yeah. Like, your job is so hard and you don't get paid enough and we Mm -hmm. see you and we are the people who are nice to waiters we promise (laughs) (laughs) um but if there are opportunities to reduce that food waste in your kitchen whether it's reducing the serving sizes that you offer the people who are coming to your restaurant or it's cutting down or or finding creative ways to use like Mm -hmm. the stems of things like there are lots of opportunities like broccoli stems are edible we can't continue like we can't I'm someone who's guilty of chopping off the stem of the broccoli.
0: Like the the not the not top of the tree part is that what we're talking about? Like, like, really?
1: I'm not talking about all the way down to the root, but yeah. like when it comes in on a stalk, that's yeah. food. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah. So um, so yeah, we gotta chop it up. I have learned a new like roasted broccoli recipe that I really like, and that's helping me eat parts that otherwise. Like I grew up with steamed broccoli, which I like just, just mm-hmm. fine. Like that's good, but it, it wasn't necessarily like incentivizing me to sure. eat the stocks of it. Cause, um, so yeah, finding kind of creative ways of using the whole thing that you're buying yeah. and not, not mm-hmm. trying to throw things out. There are options like making vegetable stock with it, or if you get a whole chicken, making chicken stock with it. Mm-hmm. I personally never had a big enough freezer to be able to accommodate it the way that we live. But if you've got a deep freezer, that's a really great way. Just collect your kitchen scraps um, and put them in the freezer until you're ready to make some soup. So, storing food, the fridge size has increased. So, one of the things you Mm -hmm. should do when you come home from the grocery store is you should push all your new stuff to the back and pull all your old stuff up front. Yes. So, you know what's going on in there. Um, If you don't know how to store your food, and I don't necessarily know how to store all my food, I recommend going on savethefood.org and it has comprehensive lists of how to save dairy produce uh meat uh and and how to properly store it how to revive it how to like best ways to freeze it how to know if it goes bad and that's kind of the next part we're in which is how do you handle expiration dates sarah are you like letter of the law or are you like "Eh, i don't know it could be expired but i'm gonna try it anyway
0: it depends on the item I do try to look it up like I will search sure. the item and I will so also I'll search like you know whatever eggs expiration date or mayonnaise expiration, and kind of see what like the food health
1: mm-hmm. like
0: whatever you know we'll, we'll say about it um, so I try to do that I am really bad about milk. Like I usually, I have no problem drinking my my full gallon of milk and, and it doesn't matter, but I've had multiple incidences and I don't know if my fridge is getting old or what of my milk actually going bad prior to mm. the expiration date and like me going to take it. And like, I mean, that's, it's disgusting. And so I'm pretty particular about my milk expiration date. I'm also very particular being sick to my stomach is the worst feeling ever. I don't think I've ever had food poisoning and I don't ever want to experience it. So I'm a little bit nervous about expiration dates, but I definitely do not. I mean, things like bread that I I'm just like, there's no way, you know, and things that I can visibly tell. Um, so if I've bought like a Bagged salad or something like that that has a date on it. I'm like, if if I can look at it and see that it looks perfectly fine, um, I'll use it. But other things, you know, more of egg and meat and that sort of thing, I'm much more likely to stick. Eggs, not so much. I know how to I know how to tell if my eggs are bad or not. Um, but uh, I'll try to I'll, I'll stick more to the date or at least look it up. Um, and try to see safety, food safety wise, if it's okay.
1: Good for you going a little bit deeper into it. (laughs) Um, Things I learned about expiration dates. Uh, It's different for other countries and other countries make more sense because they specifically have like language, not all of them, but like they, a lot of them have language where it's like, this is the best quality Uh of the food. And this is when you should stop (laughs) eating this food. They've got both. In the US, we have basically completely arbitrary yeah. expiration dates. Um, and they could be expires on this date. It could be sell by date to the point where when I was a kid, I thought the words sell, the other definition of it, was like bad, bad by no, this date. No. That's what I thought it was. I was like, yeah. oh, the milk is sell. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, yeah.
0: That's hilarious. Oh, that's it funny.
1: Me, and, I don't know what age I figured that out, but yeah. it was a long time.
0: <laughs> You know, we all have something like that, <laughs> So you're like, I should have realized that well before right. <laughs> when I did. Uh, yeah, it's true though. It is completely arbitrary and different things will have. So yeah, I mean, I just talked about it with milk. Milk actually has typically a sell by date. Mm-hmm. It's not even expired by date, um, but yeah, different items will have different things. And sometimes it doesn't specify one of those. It's just a date on a container. And so you're like, I don't know. Yep.
1: There's Best Buy. There's Use Buy. There's Sell Buy. There's this. Apparently this originated, there were special codes on like cans when you used to go to your local grocer and it was like a guy in a store and mm-hmm. you'd be like, I want three cottons of eggs and a can of beans, please. And they <laughs> was like one moment, ma'am, and then went back and got it. And he'd be but like, oh, did, this <laughs>
0: did you have to say it with that accent? When you asked
1: <laughs> back in the day, everyone had yeah, that okay. accent. actually. Okay.
0: Okay. <laughs> Carry on. Um, anyway,
1: so they, they would know, like it was for the grocer. It was for them to know yeah. what, when they should rotate their stock. Okay. And, um, then apparently there was like a magazine or something that came out that was like, Ooh, secret ways to know if you're getting the freshest foods. <laughs> and so like people could go in and be like, nope, I read this label and I know your secret code and I want something fresher. Like they could do that. And then the food companies were like, sweet, this is a great way for us to market what the freshest food is and get grocers to buy more food. People buy the freshest food. There is no federal standard for how long expiration dates are for particular types of food. Places that have laws about them almost never have numbers. Um, But this industry standard for an expiration date on milk is 21 days after it's pasteurized. In Montana, the the sell by date is twelve days. So okay, (laughs) made up. It is made up. It's that's all it is. It's just trying to get you to be like, ah, the milk's bad. I
0: gotta go buy more.
1: Gotta go buy more milk. Too bad I bought that whole gallon because I looked (laughs) at the unit price. (laughs) Cool. Yeah, it's voluntary state to state, and that's why it's super super arbitrary but there is a UK organization called too good to go. And they have a campaign called look, smell, taste, don't waste.
0: Love it. And it's
1: basically like trust your senses for almost everything you will be able to tell. Yeah. I am very cautious about meat. Yeah. Um, I, they're like, wait till it's not slimy or, you know, like that's, yeah. that, that's the last part. I'm like, meat is always slimy. is it not? <laughs> <Yeah>. but, <laughs> I don't know what that means. Um, but basically, yeah. Like, If your milk is chunky, it's bad, but like, if it (laughs) smells fine, sorry to freak you out, but if it smells fine, it's fine. Like it's okay. And you're not going to get super sick off of it. It's okay. In apparently in the UK, the most commonly thrown away thing is bread. Like food waste wise is bread, which to me is absurd because bread seems like the easiest thing to be like, not moldy.
0: Right. So, um,
1: so you can go to a lot of these websites I've been talking about to try and look at um, things like save the food. will t- give you like, this is the indication that your food's actually bad, but if you're buying from the grocery store and like you have a pack of crackers, that's a year old. They're probably fine. Yeah. They're vacuum sealed. They're fine. You're definitely not going to get food poisoning off of it. I'm going to yeah. get sued. Just kidding. Not gonna get- <laughs> Almost definitely not going to get food poisoning <laughs>
0: We're not experts. We're not experts. (laughs) I Googled a lot. We're (laughs) some studies.
1: But, but, you know, like be serious. Yeah.
0: In in all seriousness. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think, and I think this also speaks to like, again, this separation of us from what what Mm -hmm, our ancestors have done. Yeah. Right. Where our food comes from. We're not growing the food.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: We're not harvesting the food we're now not even determining when the food is bad. Yeah. Like how we have to be able to trust our senses. We have to be able to physically be involved in our foods life, (laughs) um, life cycle for us to like, we can't be automated past this because that's what the industry just wants to sell more things, but it's not good for the environment and it's not good for a lot of people who are part of that food supply. I mean, it's not good for a farmer when we decide that we're only going to like buy symmetrical broccoli. Like right. one of the farmers in that study was like, I can't sell asymmetrical. broccoli. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it can look fine, but it can't be asymmetrical or this retailer will reject it. That's not good for the farmer either. So pick the ugly broccoli. As long as it's not already bad, it's fine. It's just not as pretty as the others. And you know, it's going to taste great. And it'd be grateful for you to pick it. Right. Like it's going to be like, ah, oh, this person. <laughs> They know that the appearance is just. <laughs> We've been I mean, podcasting
0: for like two. <laughs> <hours>. <laughs> <laughs> I did
1: anthropomorphize the broccoli. I watched a lot of Veggie Tales growing <laughs> up, <so. Yeah.
0: laughs> I need that to be the picture for this week's episode. Is a little, little asymmetrical broccoli with a little smiley well, face on it.
1: The, the discount Veggie Tales. Larry, Bob, and Frank, Frank, the (laughs) asymmetrical. (laughs)
0: Discount VeggieTales.
1: Discount VeggieTales still is good, even if they're not looking well. Ours aren't musical, but they want your love. Anyway. (laughs) Anyway, Moving on. (laughs) Chances are, I mean, we've all like, you're talking about milk going bad before it is supposed to go bad. Like there's certain things you cannot account for, right? Like it's just, something's going to happen. I've had this happen sometimes when I go to a certain grocery store and I'm like, Oh, the produce looks great today. And it's actually not great. So you have to throw some things away. You've determined that you cannot use the food and you've determined that with your own senses, you are not letting these companies dictate when you're throwing things away. That's right. Rage Um,
0: against the machine.
1: Exactly, <laughs> um, and you also have way less food that you're doing this to because you also brought a list to the grocery store and you're planning your meals just a little bit. You don't have to be like a portion control, like food prepper for the week kind of situation. You're just not going for that two for one deal, right? We were so you have so much less already. Look at you go! Yay, I'm so proud you of you. Go. So now it's time to get rid of things and there are certain things that you have to throw away. So you have to throw away basically meat oils, the actual insides of eggs. Mm -hmm. Um, in, in most cases, there's, there are some like bigger industrial compost things that sometimes do that. So I don't know if that's available to you. I don't know. You'd have to check their rules, but we're talking about compost right now and composting is something we can all do. (laughs) Sarah looks a little, no, I want by, to, yeah. I, yeah,
0: I just, it is, it's for some reason overwhelming for me to start, but more on that in different episode, I'm sure.
1: Yes. And I love composting, which I have talked about before. Freaking love it. It reduces my waste over all because I don't have to even change the garbage nearly as often mm-hmm. because I'm not having smelly chicken or whatever that's mm-hmm. in the bottom there. Um, it's so much less gross to take the, out the garbage. Well, I guess chickens about eggs, it, yeah, but yeah, eggs, because like I, the shells, basically yeah. the mm-hmm. shells, you can't compost. Yeah. So, um, almost all fruits, veggies, grains, and then paper and yard waste and eggshells and coffee beans and all sorts of things can go in the compost. So if you have a backyard, I highly recommend jumping on that compost train. You don't need a very big space for it. There are ones that are like completely enclosed that you can get, or you can build your own. And even if you live in an apartment. Especially if you live in a city, there are actually compost services that will come and take your compost away from you. And if you don't, there's still indoor options like vermiculture where you can have worms break down your food and it's really not as smelly as you may assume. Yep. Um, and that's that you can achieve by making sure that it's not all food that goes in your compost. You're also layering things like paper um, and leaves and things like that that help soak up some of that, otherwise decomposing things. But I like, I was confused. I, I have been confused for a while about like, I get the space element right. of diverting food from the landfill, mm-hmm. but I wasn't quite sure how this solved our carbon issue. Sarah, yeah. were you familiar with this? Yeah. At
0: yeah. At okay. Least, uh, at least a little bit. And that I, I had actually thought, you know, we, we might talk about this more uh, on an episode sort of just generally about where our waste goes, but it does seem almost counterintuitive because you're like, well, I'm just throwing it out right. anyway. Like it's going to break down no matter where I put it, but it has to do with how it's breaking down. So when you put your food waste in the garbage and it goes to the landfill, basically it's going to get buried. And so it, it more has to do with if you go back to your science classes Aerobic versus anaerobic, um, and so breaking down in an environment that that's going to have oxygen, right? Which is your composting versus not having oxygen in the landfill, and that's what's going to contribute the end or change the end products that are produced as this waste breaks down. So that's why you're getting this more methane production from your landfill and not so much if you're doing your backyard composting properly.
1: Yeah, basically different bacteria helps with different things. Mm -hmm. So in the landfill, like Sarah said, there basically it just gets piled down and honestly, like there are so like perfectly edible things actually still in the garbage that have been buried for so long that like it's, it's a mess, but Um, Yeah. When it it does eventually break down, it's the bacteria that causes the methane where in compost, you are regularly turning it. It's not buried under like tons and tons of garbage. And so it uses oxygen as part of that process. Doesn't contribute to climate change in the same way because there's no methane, which we've talked about before is an extremely potent greenhouse gas compared to carbon dioxide. So uh, first of all, you reduce all of the carbon, uh, not all of it, but I'm significant portion of any sort of carbon emissions that come out of it but also you get really nice soil out of it you get compost which you can then add to your garden or wherever you your yard and another element that is really not the topic of today's uh episode but basically we have a soil quality issue Mm
0: -hmm. around the
1: world we are really losing a lot of our um, nutritious soil and our soil with really good soil structure, where it has this kind of compost in it of things that used to be alive, breaking down into things, um, that help feed the ecosystem. And so this is a really great way to help make sure that you have good soil structure, you know, exactly what's going into your soil. So when you decide to start your beautiful food garden, if you can, that, you know, that like, that's some good compost in there. That's what's in there. It's not something that was bagged to give to you. Um, and you can always use that too, but you know, if, if you can't make your own compost, it's okay to have store-bought compost too, but this is a, a a really great way to be able to reduce things that are going to the landfill, reduce the carbon footprint, and also just help your environment because it closes that loop a little bit more. Yeah. And so I'm kind of obsessed with composting. So we've kind of followed the life of our food. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the ways that it's
0: wasting. Sarah, do you have any closing thoughts on this? Oh, I'm not I'm not quick enough to prepare closing thoughts. No, I I don't. As always, though, Casey, I just really appreciate your discussion. I feel like there are a lot of possible points and a lot of steps, you know, from our planning to our selection to when we throw away our food and how we get rid of our food, Um, you know, all of those points along our own personal food (laughs) supply chain, I guess, that we could choose to look at uh, and adjust to to make our own routine a little greener. So I like that.
1: Yeah. And this is especially, again, something that people in Uh, North America, Europe, Oceania, all of us, this is where most of our food waste is. It's in this portion of our supply chain. And part of it is that we've been conditioned by just market conditions to do things like throw away perfectly good food um, and always want the next best thing and try and get a deal and all that kind of stuff. And so it's really like taking a step back and being in tune with the food and trying to slow down a little bit and be a little bit more thoughtful with our relationship and not look at food as something that is something that we just throw away. Mm-hmm. Um really throwing away is the last option that we should be doing for just about any of it. I we kind of touched on meat for a second, but like I, I can tell you that that's one of the saddest things when I am like, I didn't use this chicken breast. <laughs> and there is <was> a chicken. <laughs> Oh. that died, So I didn't have to eat. Right. Like it's, it's a sad thing I think. And, and like part of that is that like, you know, maybe I have complicated feelings about mm-hmm. eating me in basis, but like, I don't think any of us are like, yeah, be wasteful, <laughs> right. Food, like, especially because like, unlike fashion, like there's no value, like culturally to being like, boom, boom, boom. I'm just throwing everything away. Like it's, it's dollars out of your pocket and then it's our environment.
0: Yeah. And it's a good, I don't think that any of us are like, yeah, let's just be wasteful. But I do think that if we're fortunate enough to be in a situation where we've always had food, you know, regularly that it's very easy to forget all of the other things that go into it. So if nothing else, I feel like this was a good reminder and a good way to think about it is that it's not just that chicken breast. It's not just that asymmetrical broccoli. It's all of the resources that Went into it that uh, that are that are things that we should think about when we're trying to be responsible with our food. Yeah, and again,
1: there's no like big like guilt factor if you live a life that this is not something that is one a problem yeah. to you because you're efficient and you have already cut out that wasteful spending on things. But it is a reminder to all of us where this is a, a place or room of improvement in our lives that we pay it the attention that it deserves, yeah. and. If this is something that's super interesting to you, it's worth reaching out to your local food bank. It's worth reaching out to local areas um, for how we can change food policy, how we can help redistribute some of that excess food that we might have bought to make sure that we Mm -hmm. can help solve some of these food justice issues. But if you stick around, we'll go to our weekly challenge. We'll be back in a second.
0: welcome back everyone Casey thanks again for this two-part discussion on food waste really appreciate it and really enjoyed it so we last week didn't do a specific challenge since we were more talking about the grower producer retail side of things do you do you have a challenge for us this week
1: I do. I, I I would love to see any steps that you heard us take today. If you are right in your first grocery list or anything like that, um, I would love to see it. But really, the thing that was helpful to me was going to savethefood.com um, and looking at the best ways to store and tell whether or not the food in my life is good. That's, that's, I think the area I had the most room for improvement for, and I found save the food to be really, really awesome. You can also go to to um, or foodprint.org, which is another really awesome website that I'm sure I'm going to reference again, because they also have things like sustainable food, uh, like buying sustainable food and things like this. And I think all of these websites have things like recipes and other ways to help you reduce your food waste so i want to recommend that you go to one of these three websites but if you do anything else on this list please tag us on social media
0: yeah so you can find us on facebook at a little greener podcast you can find us on instagram at a little greener pod or you can always feel free to send us an email at a little greener podcast at gmail.com. And we'd love to hear from you, whether it's stories about steps that you are taking in your own life, whether that's from this week's episode or previous episodes, things that you're doing. If you have feedback for us, if you have suggestions for us on future episode topics or future just things that you'd like to hear us start to include in our episodes, any of that, we are open to listening and we'd love to hear from you. Yeah,
1: but we just have two perspectives out there and we would love to hear your unique perspective on different topics we cover in the future and the past or right now. Whatever. <laughs> whatever. Uh, so I don't know what will happen next week. I don't know if Sarah is still in Florida if we'll end up skipping next week or if we'll see you again. I will say this makes us 21 weeks in a row and I'm very proud of us. Wow. Yeah, 21 weeks in a row. We're getting right. close. We didn't even
0: celebrate our 20th episode.
1: I know, and we're in a two-parter. This Happy is belated
0: twentieth episode. Happy twenty-first episode.
1: Yeah, I guess this, this makes us around like five months or something like that. And so I'm really proud of us for. I don't know if I've done anything for this long, this <laughs> consistently. Like, uh, probably not entirely true, but like, I, this is a very consistent thing that we have made time for, and
0: mm-hmm.
1: I definitely not created something this consistently. Right.
0: Oh, me either. Definitely. So, so it's, it's been a, been a fun yeah. ride so far. Thanks for doing it with me, Casey. Thanks for putting up with me.
1: Uh, thanks for putting <laughs> up with me and Frank, our new broccoli friend. Um, <laughs> and- Can't wait. And, uh, and if you want to help us out, you can rate and review on whatever podcast format that you're listening to. You can give us a share. You could tell your friends, if you thought this was valuable to you, they might find it valuable too. And we love finding new listeners and growing our audience. So, uh, until next time, friends,
0: thanks for listening. Stay safe.